0: Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Long Range Science. Now for this episode, uh, the topic I wanted to go over today is going to be the math basics behind long range shooting. So now with this podcast being long range science, um, we're going to take some dives into the science behind shooting, the science behind the gear and ballistics and things like that. And with that uh, comes the math side of science. So now don't worry, to be too scared because this isn't going to be a whole math-intensive thing. I'm going to do the math so that you guys don't have to. Um, But with that, there are going to be some topics and discussions where there are some principles that we're going to have to have an understanding of. So this is going to be kind of just a little bit of a refresher to get everybody up up to speed and kind of lay out some of the principles and things like that that we'll be using going forward so you guys will understand what I'm talking about. So now, uh, the first one that I want to go over Is when we are trying to describe a bullet's flight through the air, uh, when we're talking about external ballistics and the bullet's deflection, we need a coordinate system and a base um, origin to be able to quantify the deflection and the movement of the bullet from. So we need a starting point which the bullet is going to start moving from as it goes downrange. So now, If we go back to Newton's laws, some of you may remember, a body at rest wants to stay in rest, and a body in motion wants to stay in motion unless it's acted upon by an outside force. So when that bullet is leaving the muzzle, it is on a trajectory, and it wants to maintain that trajectory until something pushes it in a different direction. So now those forces that are going to act on the bullet's trajectory are going to be drag from air resistance. It's going to be the drop from gravity, and you're also going to get the horizontal wind deflection like we mentioned in the last episode. So now to be able to quantify the movement of that bullet throughout air, we are going to set our base coordinate system right at the muzzle of the rifle. So that's going to be our origin. That's where everything is going to start at. That's how we're going to be defining everything, because that's where the bullet is leaving in line with the bore and then from there it is going to move. So the muzzle of that barrel is going to be the start of our origin system. So now to be able to break this into coordinates and directions, what I'm going to use is just a standard X, Y, and Z coordinate system. So you guys can remember that if you've taken any math classes and remember back that far. Uh, Basically you've just got three directions in 3d space that's going to control and define the position of everything so the way i'm going to define this is i am going to have the y-axis be the one that's pointing forward that is in line with the bore of the rifle so that is going to be right where the bore of the rifle is pointing so when that bullet comes out that bullet is going to be pointing right along and the nose of that bullet's going to be on that y-axis so now the x-axis is going to be perpendicular to that coming straight from the side. So that's going to be where your horizontal and crosswind deflections is going to be is in that x-axis left to right. So positive y is going to be forward, negative y is going to be backwards, positive x is going to be to the right, negative x is going to be to the left. So there's our two coordinate systems for one plane that we've got to find. So now the vertical Uh, changes is going to be the z-axis. So this is a pretty standard coordinate system. But so up is going to be positive z and down is going to be negative z. So that's going to be the coordinate system and that's going to be the orientation we are going to base everything around. So now in all reality you can make a coordinate system and have it oriented any direction you want. But for most of the cases that we're going to be talking about this is going to be the easiest and it's gonna be pretty much the most logical one that we're gonna be able to follow. So now, the main reason that we are going to want this coordinate system is, there's actually two main reasons. So one is gonna be to define the position of that bullet in space relative to where it came out of the barrel. So when we're talking about our vertical deflection and our horizontal deflection, we need to have a starting point to know how much the bullet is gonna move from that point. So let's say that you have a wind deflection for a certain speed and a certain bullet for a 10 mile an hour wind at a thousand yards of 60 inches. So that's 60 inches from the point in that muzzle when the bullet left the barrel. So that's just gonna be how that's defined. So it's not near as complicated or intense as it sounds, um, just some math jargon in here. But now the second reason that we need to identify this coordinate system is because we are going to be working a lot with vectors. So now, a vector is basically just something that has a magnitude and a direction. So the one we were talking about last time with our wind deflection and our wind angles, um, the magnitude was going to be the wind speed and the direction was going to be the orientation that that wind was pushing on the board. So the reason we're going to be able, or the reason we want to use these vectors is because what they're going to allow us to do is they're going to allow us to break up these forces into specific directions based on our coordinate system. So now even if we have wind that is coming in at an angle to our bullet, what we can do is we can take that wind speed and break it up into a wind speed in the y-axis and a wind speed into the x-axis. So now that's what I was going over in the last episode and how you account for wind angle based on converting that wind speed into components in the x and y directions so that's just a property of vectors and when we got a coordinate system we know that it's in line with the bullet and it's in line with the bullet trajectory now any forces they're going to be acting on that bullet we can break down and even if they're at a weird angle we can break them down into components along these axes that are just going to make the math a hundred times easier, it's going to take some of the confusion out of it, and that's how we can know how much horizontal deflection of wind at an angle can have, Because that wind is going to have a component of it acting in that X direction and a component acting in the Y direction. And then getting into some more advanced topics, we can even get into some of these forces are going to cause the bullet to move up or down in the Z. So that's really the whole basis behind this. I don't need to get scared because it's really uh, nothing that intensive. But sometimes people just kind of hear the math topics and math terms get a little intimidated. Um, but I promise that's really not what it, I want to do. So now that's going to be the basis of most of the uh, things that we'll be using is this vector and coordinate system. Just because when a bullet's flying through the air, there's really that's going to be the best way to show which direction the bullet's moving, which way the forces are acting, and how that bullet is going to move through space. So now with that, there's gonna be some other engineering terms that I might throw out that I apologize that I picked up going through school that I don't wanna confuse you on. So uh, one of those terms is going to be uh, normal to. So if I say a, a force is acting normal to, the bullet flying that means it's gonna be perpendicular I don't know why that's just something engineering uses instead of saying perpendicular we say it's normal uh, really don't understand why but that's just kind of the way things go so <clears throat> that's one of the topics you're gonna to hear me maybe say I'm gonna to try to limit some of those engineering terms that we use that aren't in common practice with people just because I don't want to confuse anybody and by any means if, if I'm talking about something that you guys don't understand, or if I'm using terms you guys don't understand, just feel free to reach out to me and let me know, know to go over those, because if, if I'm relaying information you guys can't understand, then that defeats the entire purpose of, of what we're trying to do here. So um, please reach out to me, please feel free to reach out if you have any questions, and we, try, we want to try to make this as accessible and make this a learning experience for everybody if possible. Okay, now that we kind of got that out of the way, um, so the next heavy topic that is going to be uh, math-wise related to what we're going to be talking about is going to be a fair amount of trigonometry and basically math and breaking down of triangles. So now triangles, I mentioned, is going to be the way we're going to break that um, vector down into the coordinates we need, and we're going to break that out into separate components. So that's how come we can have wind at an angle, and then we can break it down into two components in that x and y value. So now when you do that, basically what you end up with is you end up with that wind speed is essentially going to be the hypotenuse of a triangle, and then the sides are gonna be the component in the directions of our coordinate system. So I know a lot of this is hard to explain just through talking. I'm gonna try to have some supplemental videos to some of this stuff up um, on my long range science website or if you guys follow me even you know, on talk and Instagram I do kind of show some of this stuff there just because yeah talking about coordinate systems through a microphone gets kind of hard to pick up a little bit. Um, but that's essentially what it's going to be. So the magnitude of the force, or in the case that we were talking about earlier, that wind speed is going to be a hypotenuse of a triangle, and we're just going to break that triangle down into its other components into our coordinate system. So that's going to be the base one, and that's going to mostly apply for ballistics, and we're talking about the movement of the bullet. So now trigonometry is a lot of very confusing stuff about angles. Um, that Luckily, we have calculators for now to help us solve. So uh, that's what we're going to be mostly using. Uh, but basically what that is, is that is just the relationship uh, between angles and the lengths of sides of triangle. So we're going to use trigonometry pretty heavy because um, most of our shooting corrections are going to be in angles. Whether we are talking about minute of angle or we're talking about radian. Um, those are all angles, and so we're going to go off of angular relations for a lot of these discussions. So trigonometry is going to play into that. finding angle. It's also going to play into some of the coordinate systems that we're going to be using. Sometimes we may need to use some of that trigonometry uh, to find a value if we know an angle for one of these forces. But we'll kind of get into more depth about that a little bit later. Alright so now I did just mention that trigonometry is going to come into play uh, when we're discussing our angular measurements. So typically what that is going to be broken up in is that is going to be broken up in MOA or mils. So minute of angle or mill radians. So a lot of you guys who are new to this or maybe just trying to get into this, uh, let's do a quick breakdown of MOA and mils to give you guys an understanding. Of what that means so now when we're talking bullet corrections as far as um, elevation change or windage drift uh, they're always almost always going to be referred to in terms of either MOA or mills depending on what uh, scope and system you're using so now MOA just stands for minute of angle so there's 360 degrees in a circle there are 60 minutes in a degree and 60 seconds in a minute. So I don't know why this was the method that was chosen, but it's uh, broken down similar to time. But that's just the standardized method and the way that these are broken down. So you have a degree, 60 minutes in a degree, and 60 seconds in a minute. So now we usually just go down to the minute side. So that's where the minute of angle comes from. So, one MOA, one minute of angle, is a 60th of a degree. And so now that plays very nicely because uh, that is essentially one inch at 100 yards. So, for all of us in America that grew up kind of with the inch and yard system, for us, that's very easy math and a very easy. So, the true number is actually something more like 1.047 inches per MOA at 100 yards, Uh, but in all reality that's close enough that we can almost always just round it to an inch. So an MOA is a sixteenth of a degree or essentially one inch at 100 yards. So now let's kind of move over and talk about uh, mill radians. So now the way radians work is there are two pi radians in a circle. So That's where the two pi comes from. If you kind of done your circle math and circumference and circle area. So there's two pi radians in a circle, just angular measurements. Now, the way that a radian is defined is that when you have an angle of one radian, that means that the arc length of the circle for that angle is going to be the exact same as the radius of the circle. So one radian means the arc length of the circle is the exact same length as radius. So now when this relates to shooting we are going to go down range and let's look at something like a thousand yards for example and see how this breaks down. So one radian at a thousand yards is a thousand yards. Now when we're shooting even though we're using angular measurements, the angles are so small that we can usually approximate uh, the arc length of that circle as a straight line. So the units are usually very small, but that's kind of the definition of a radian. Now, since a radian is so large, we use a milliradian or a milliradian. So that's a thousandth of a radian. So it breaks it down into much, much smaller dimensions. So now at a thousand yards. A uh, mil radian is one yard. It is one thousandth of uh, the distance to your target, which is the radius of a circle. So it works for any unit you pick. Um, it can be yards, it can be inches, it can be meters. Um, it doesn't matter. And that's why I play it plays actually really nicely with people who use the metric system. But so one mil radian at a thousand yards is one yard. One mil radian at a thousand meters is one meter. And so on and so forth. So now at a 100 yards, a mill radian is 0.1 yards. Now, this is where we're trying to use it with the English system. Uh, it kind of does become a pain, is because when you have to convert the units, the math just isn't as easy in uh, the American imperial system. So at 100 yards, a mill radian is 0.1. So there are 36 inches in a yard, so you multiply that by 0.1, and you have 3.6 um, inches in a mil radian at 100 yards. So one MOA at 100 yards was about an inch, and a mil radian at 100 yards is about 3.6 inches. So you may have heard somebody talk about that MOA is a finer unit of measure measure than a mil radian. So that's where that comes from, is because a mill is just a little bit over three times bigger than an MOA at a hundred yards. So that's the definition of the two. That's how they are used. And and that's really all we mean when we're talking about that. And since we're talking about the angular deflection of the bullet, what that means is that means that we just basically need to change the angle of our gun aiming down range in relation to the target to correct for bullet movement. So that's why that's actually uh, defined in angular units rather than in inches or something like that because we're angling the gun from our shooting position to account for that difference at distance. So now uh, one thing I do want to add on to this is that now the way most optics is even though a minute of angle is a finer measurement system The way most optics are going to be broken down is one click on your scope turret is usually going to be a quarter MOA for MOA scopes or a tenth of a mil for your mil radian scopes. So really we're going to break these down even just a little bit further. So a quarter MOA is a quarter of an inch um, essentially at 100 yards. Makes that pretty simple so now a tenth of an moa again is just going to be a tenth of that 3.6 so now that means that a tenth, of an, a tenth of a mil is going to be 0.36 we just broke that down a little bit further because that's usually the way that our scopes are going to be um, set up for our um, adjustment per click when we're making adjustments to our reticle that we'll get into a little bit later. But that's the breakdown of those. So a quarter MOA is a quarter inch at 100 yards, which means it's a, roughly an inch at a 400 yards, uh, so on and so forth. Whereas a 10th of a mil is going to be 0.36 inches at 100 yards. So uh, one quick thing on mills, as I mentioned, it is kind of tricky for Americans because we do have to do some conversions on it. But if you're looking at the metric system and going off of that system where you don't actually, where the units convert much cleaner, um, this is going to be really where it comes into adding simplicity to the system because a thousandth of a meter is a millimeter by definition. So we don't actually have to do any conver- conversion there because it's already broken down that way. So a radian at a meter is going to be a millimeter. A radian at 100 meters is gonna be 100 meters, or 100 millimeters, sorry, or 10 centimeters. So even though a lot of people in the, in the US are starting to pick up on this system a little bit, especially some competition in long range shooters, um, it doesn't play as nicely with the English units of measurement that we've kinda grown up with and that everyone in America uses. Uh, But most importantly, really when it comes down to is that both of these are just different ways to make angular measurements. So, one is not more valid than the other. Uh, They're both finding the same thing. They're both finding an angle offset to the target. The most important thing is gonna be to use one you're familiar with, use one that you can understand and then also if you're shooting with a group or shooting with other individuals um, use the same one as the people you're shooting with because if you are shooting an moa scope and you have four friends that you go shooting with and they're all shooting in mills the communication on those corrections is is just going to be very confusing and lost in translation so i've done that before currently i'm running an moa scope and in the prs competitions almost everybody has converted to mills in that competition. So when I try to talk windage, when I try to talk elevation corrections and things like that, people are talking about making corrections in two and three tenths, and I'm trying to make corrections in MOAs. There's just a lot of confusion, and there can be a lot of error in just converting back. and forth. discussing So one isn't inherently better than the other. Um, they're both finding the same thing, just different ways to go about it but use the one you're comfortable with, use the one that you can understand, and use the one that you're going to be most likely talking about if you're in some shooting competitions or going shooting with other people. So now that, in all honesty, is going to be a, a bulk majority of any of the math that we're going to have to do. And like I said, I'm going to do the math so you guys don't have to, but just kind of going into some of these topics when we're talking about um, MOA, when we're talking about mills, when we're talking about vectors and how to break that down into our coordinate system. I just wanted to give you guys an idea of of what that's gonna entail and what that looks like. And like I said, I'm gonna try to get some supplemental videos uh, possibly up on the Long Range Science website to to go over this stuff so we can kinda get some visuals of some of those things where that might help. So once again, if you guys have any questions, please reach out to me. Um, I'm excited to get this going and now we can start taking some deep dives into some topics And then hopefully I won't lose you guys as quickly. And then if there are any instances where maybe some different principles come up, um, I'll do my best to explain those in that episode. But this is, like I said, going to cover the bulk majority of the things that we're going to go over. Thanks, everybody, and I appreciate it.